The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the twelve, Fear no one. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's knowledge. Even all the hairs of your head are counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. For everyone who acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Heavenly Father. But whoever denies me before others, I will deny before my Heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. Uh, good to see everybody again as we try to get back into our normal rhythm. And remember, uh, so we've added that evening Mass on Wednesdays now. So if, if coming to Mass on Wednesday is uh, more comfortable than Sunday, then feel, feel free to go. Uh, it was actually, we had a good turnout last Wednesday. We had about 20 or 25 people or so. So it was, uh, it was good that everyone's kind of naturally spreading themselves out. And we don't have to go to a, a rigid reservation or ticket system, which the bigger parishes have to because they got massively more numbers. So I'm glad we're kind of naturally doing this already. So, so remember, Wednesdays at 6 p.m., or if you want to go to Mass twice, come on, join the party. So praise God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In 1965, there was an Air Force pilot by the name of Admiral Jeremiah Denton. And one of the missions as he was flying during the war, in the heat of the war, he was shot down in 1965. And at that time, when the communist Vietnamese shot down an American pilot, oh, it was their, it was their prized possession. Right? Because they hated our Air Force pilots more than, than, than our other soldiers. Because you remember, they're constantly bombing all of the different targets and they're doing devastating effects on them. And so when they would capture an American pilot, oh, they treated them worse than our other POWs. So in 65, he shot down. And for the next nine years, he would be tortured by the communists. He described his cell the first night. He said it was, a, it was a, about six feet by six feet concrete cell. 
His bed was just a concrete slab. Shackles on his feet for 17 hours a day. And all he had to see the outside, the outside world were tiny little air holes that they, they had put in. You can barely see outside of just enough just to get a, a, a bit of fresh air. What little air he did have. They put him there for years in a little tiny cell. He would describe that moment, that first night especially. He thought he would go crazy just to spend his one night in there. But amazingly, something happened. He said in the darkness of that cell, he describes a voice that he heard. He said it was the most modulated, beautiful male voice he can ever imagine. And he said to him, this voice, he knew immediately it was our Lord speaking to him. Say, through the sacred heart of Jesus, I offer my life to you. That was the, the voice of what it said. Through the most sacred heart of Jesus, offer your life to me. He said the moment that he heard that voice, everything changed. And he even said that that nine years in that communist prison concrete cell were the most joyous years of his life. The most joyous years of his life. Why? Because all of a sudden, he said, as he's sitting there in that cell in solitary confinement for years, shackled, he would pray. He prayed the rosary. And he said it by that point, he even memorized the Mass. At that time, the mid-60s, the Mass was all in Latin. So he memorized all of the Latin prayers. So here he was, offering all of the suffering that he was enduring under torture through the sacred heart of Jesus. He understood what our Lord was trying to teach us today in the gospel. What does the Lord say, speaking to the twelve? Fear no one. Fear no one. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body. You see, what the communists tried to do, they tried to break him, didn't they? They tried to do every conceivable thing through his body But it didn't work. He did not fear what they can do. They can do whatever they wanted to his body. Admiral Jeremiah Denton understood that. Because the Lord now rather, he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. But rather, I say to you, fear those who can kill both soul and body in Gehenna. Who's Jesus talking about here, by the way? Oftentimes people say, oh, he's talking about fear the devil. Actually, no. He's not speaking of the devil here. Rather, Jesus is telling his disciples, I want you, rather, don't fear earthly powers, but rather fear God first. Which is odd when you first hear this, because immediately when we think of God, we think of him, oh, he's all loving and all merciful. He is. 
but rather what our Lord here is referring back to a popular verse, which all throughout the Old Testament. Think back now to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, or Psalm 121. Wisdom begins with what? Fear of the Lord. Wisdom first begins with having fear towards God. Again, why? As modern people, it, it, it kind of irritates us. that It doesn't make quite fuller sense. Why do I have to fear God? There are two types of fear. One is not one our Lord is speaking about. See, there's a type of fear, which is an immature type of fear, which is rooted in punishment. The reason why we fear things is because we, we get afraid of being hurt, being punished. But that's not the type of fear that we have towards God. But rather, it's a fear rooted in love. You know, if, if I can pick on you, Andy, I, I, I didn't tell I was going to pick on him today, but remember a conversation we had before Andy? Speaking of how appropriate it's Father's Day as well. You said that your father has become your best friend. I remember you said that. I thought, how beautiful, especially for, a, for anybody who is a father, to hear your, your children say that to you that you have become their best friend. It, was that always the case? No. Why? Because you know when we're tiny, when we're little, in a sense, we fear our parents in a way. Clean your room. <laughs> Do your homework. Do your chores, mow the lawn, take out the trash. And in some sense, the reason why we do all of those things is because we don't want to get grounded. We don't want to get spanked if, if you guys grew up with that. In a sense, we obey our parents because out of a sense of fear. But that's rooted in, in, in an immature relationship, which is fine because we eventually grow mature. But what in a healthy relationship happens? As we continue to grow up and to become adult men and women, ideally, that relationship once we had as kids with our parents begins to mature. And all of a sudden, we no longer obey our parents because we fear them, but rather because we love them. I don't want to hurt you because I cherish and I respect and I love you. That is why I listen and I behave, not in fear. You see, oftentimes, and so many people have this, especially when you talk to people about the faith, about, about God, many people stay stunted in that idea of a God being an all-punishing, wrathful God. You hear this all the time, oh, God's a big beanie. He's gonna throw lightning bolts at me if I do something bad. And many adults stay rooted in that idea of who God is. You see, Jesus knows this. Oh, our Lord is so masterful. Notice, he says, all right, fear the one who can kill body and soul. Only God can do that. What does he say next, the next couple lines? Are not two sparrows sold for a small coin? And yet your father knows when one of them falls to the ground. You know what a sparrow is? A sparrow is a dumb little bird. <laughs> dumb little bird. And yet God loves that dumb little bird that he knows when they fall to the ground. And if we still didn't get the point, he says, 
even the hairs of your head. Your heavenly Father knows how many. How beautiful that is. God so cherishes us, knows us intimately, He knows how many hairs we have on our head. You know, as somebody who's losing their hair since my 20s, he looks down at me and says, oh, you have seven hair follicles left, Father Brian. This is all a wig, by the way, in case you were wondering, right? It's all a wig. He knows how many hairs hairs we have left on our head. Is that the type of wrathful God now that we're supposed to have as Christians? No. He's calling them to mature your faith in him. Don't stay stunted in that idea as a teenager that, God, that our parents are a big meaning. No, he's trying to deepen it. Why, why is our Lord laying this out? We get an idea here. He says in the beginning, Jesus said to the 12. So we're surrounded by his 12 disciples. For the past three years, he has been with them, forming them, teaching them, preparing them. Jesus knows he's about to send them out into the world. What is this world, this environment that he's about to launch Christianity into? He's about to launch them into the Roman Empire. They're not going to take kindly to the message of Christianity. Jesus knows this. He's about to send them out into a world, again, which is probably the most devastating, the most successful empire that humanity has ever created. I mean, the Romans were genius. But they were also brutal. And they were pantheistic. He's about to send them out into this world and say, hey, all these beautiful temples that you've created, all fake. Tear these temples down. There's only one God. All you who are accustomed to slaves, accustomed to torturing your enemies, accustomed to having mistresses and, and, and killing your babies. The Romans were brutal at infants, uh, infanticide, by the way. He's about to tell them, now Christians, into this world and say, repent of your sins. Stop killing your babies. Stop cheating and having multiple spouses and wives and husbands. Stop having, treating your slaves the way you do. How do you think they're going to receive that message? Okay. No. Speaking to the 12 here, guess how many survive to old age? And I've, and I've, I've shared this before. Out of the 12 here, which he's speaking to, how many survived to old to die a natural death? One. One. One survived. The rest were all tortured because they had the audacity to proclaim Jesus Christ. And what our Lord here was trying to prepare them for was that when they arrest you and torture you and ridicule you because of my name, you will be tempted to deny me. You will be tempted to deny your faith and to live like them. You see, by the way, this is where Christianity and the world always rubs up against us. This is, this, is, this, is where, this is where the tension always exists. Yeah, proclaim your Christianity, right? Do whatever you want to do on Sundays between the four walls of the church. Ah, but where Christianity always runs into trouble is when we proclaim the moral aspect of our lives. The, 
because now all of a sudden they have to change their lives, change their existence. And as we all know, we don't like to change. We don't like to be told what we're doing is wrong and to repent. You see, the first words out of Jesus' mouth is metanoiate in Greek. Transform, repent, turn around your life. What Christianity offers us and calls us to is a radical reorientation of our lives. That is why Christianity will always be met with hostility. Because as we all know, we do not like to be told what to do. And still Jesus sends us out. And that's why he says to us, do not be afraid. They will persecute you. They will lock you up. They will throw you into prisons. They will cut off your toes and fingers. They will pour boiling oil on you. They will skin you alive. They will cut off your limbs. They will crucify you. They will burn you to death. They will drown you. And all of the many ways, those are all real examples of what they did to us, by the way. But don't be afraid of that. Stay rooted in me. Stay faithful to me. Because I am your father. And how providentially, and I'll end here, this day that our nation pays respects to our fathers. How beautiful this gospel reading providentially. By the way, I didn't plan this reading for Father's Day. The readings are already planned out in cycles over the years. So I always love how scripture always demonstrates what's happening in our day and age. The word of God is alive, sharper than a two-edged sword. And so my brothers here now, I turn to you and ask for your attention. All of us who want to be good fathers in here, to be good men, because none of you want to become mediocre fathers, deadbeat dads, none of us do. So the question is, how do we become the best fathers we can be? Easy, first. Know who God the Father is first. When you grow in your relationship with God the Father, he will train you, teach you, and transform all of us to become the men we are called to be. Fall in love with your heavenly Father first. And he will train you how to be like him. And I'll answer you with another question, I promise. Is our world in need of good, holy fathers? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.